0: You're listening to The Process, where we talk to some of the industry's most talented artists, including film, TV and game. From concept artists, to previs, to 3D animators and visual effects artists, we talk about a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind and workflow of each artist. For any visuals discussed in this episode, we have provided a link to images and videos should you need a bit more context. Or you can watch a video podcast on YouTube at Big Two Studios. Chris is in the house. Chris, welcome to the process.
1: Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Um, yeah, I'm Chris. Um, I have a background in various various methods of animation, filmmaking, uh, from stop motion to um, you know previews to uh, environment artist, and also. Um, now uh, leading a uh, virtual art department team. So, is that
0: how you doing, man? Very good. You look very suave, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what shirt's that? It
1: looks like a. a... Uh, it's got like little laurels on, like little. Uh,
0: oh, nice. Like
1: I'm, I am an Academy Award. know, yeah, it's like it's
0: good. <laughs> Brilliant, man. What What is the p- f- photo just above your head? What's the one at the very top?
1: Oh, that's um, this documentary I made with Uh my wife um about um it was a conservation um a conservation documentary about this uh this effort to save toads from crossing the road Uh Uh, so people so toads um they always migrate back to the same pond that they were born in so they'll go miles away and then they'll all come back to this one pond that they were born in uh but there was this really busy air road in the way towards. you know towards the town and they all cross this road uh, and there was just you know just thousands of deaths we were talking like thousands and thousands of toads like you know proper oh. migration so there was this volunteer effort was set up to help them across so they can essentially put down a big barrier on one end of the road uh, pick them all up in buckets when they get stuck no. uh, take them across the road in buckets and then you know just carry on Whoa. And that, that, that's a few months i think february till February to April, maybe is like the full extent of it. And then, that, yeah, but um, the the time that we were there, I think it was like eight thousand, nine thousand toads were carried across.
0: No way, that's crazy. Is it? Where can we watch that documentary? Uh,
1: it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's is on it? YouTube. Yeah. I've Will you send send shirt. us the link
0: after this?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's called um Slow Toad Patrol. Um, yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> Amazing. I look forward to it.
1: That yeah, great, it's
0: man. a good one. Um, yeah, the world of a studying scale. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about uh, what the project is, and was it meant to be in Unreal Engine, and if not, why did you choose Unreal Engine, or was it, you know, how did that start that project?
1: Well, um, the I mean, the the one that was um, a kind of a byproduct of uh, the the main film, um, a studying scale. Um, which I completed for the the Unreal Fellowship. Um, We had four, five weeks to create a short film and also learn very intensively Unreal Engine. Um, So it was a case of trying to find um, a story that I could achieve in that time and also kind of use to um, just pinpoint certain methods that i wanted to try out so it was kind of like a, a testing ground of all sorts of different methods that i wanted to 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 use and to learn in unreal and then to kind of still have a coherent narrative at the end of it that could pass off as you know a short film uh, the world of came after that um because there was just some areas of the environment that i'd made that i just kind of wanted to keep going with it um i just wanted to show off some of the the areas um that you don't quite get to see on the main film and just have that more of us just a kind of uh i guess um like a, just an environment walk through just like a, a peaceful sedate just walk through and just just kind of holding the shots on these different areas that i just wanted to kind of showcase and just get out of there as well as the original film. Plus, I was on the riding this high of just creating this film, so I just wanted to kind of keep learning and keep keep going, keep trying out these um, these different methods and you know the camera moves, that kind of thing, the cinematography of it.
0: Brilliant, man! So, so your experience with Unreal Engine, you'd done was it the Fellowship of the Ring and then Fellowship of the Ring? I'm talking Lord of the Rings here. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the the Unreal Fellowship, you'd done that first. Um, was that the is it? four weeks training that yeah it was um
1: uh, september 2020 um i had been learning it before then so i was actually in the midst of very very beginner steps um but once i did the fellowship that obviously really just boosted the learning and we just had four or five weeks to um just spend every day learning it and ever since then actually apart from a few months i've been using it every day ever since then so it's drastically changed my career path and the tools i work with uh for the better
0: yeah i was gonna i I guess we can touch on i mean it'll be really interesting to talk about because your background is well from what i have worked with you in the past a lot of previous Mm. um you know workflows and and things like that i'm presuming now you don't you wouldn't go back to anything else than other than unreal engine uh, no, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done
1: previous, uh, I've completed previous since then, um, you know, we still use Maya every day, we still use the the tools, um, I'd say the only tool I don't okay. use as much now is Nuke, right, because okay. we, c- we can do a lot of what we need to do in Unreal, and also we're trying to kind of keep it out of Unreal, gotcha. for the sake of the, um, um, you know, the goals of what we want to do with the LED walls, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, and the filmmaking side of things within Unreal. We're trying to keep it as real-time as possible, but yeah, we still do animation in Maya, still do assets in Maya, um, texturing, we're kind of doing substance now, um, and you know we've got artists working in substance. um, But yeah, so a lot of it in Unreal, and we kind of, it's still, it's kind of like the end, it's like the end user, it's like the end destination. Mm -hmm. We're still creating all the assets in all these other
0: projects. Okay. All these
1: other platforms, yeah
0: so um for for uh, the world uh, study and scale uh, can you just talk about that pipeline because that was that was just you working on that wasn't it that was a personal one
1: yeah that's right yeah okay. yeah the world uh, the, the world of the um yeah that was uh me so the the pipeline for those pieces were actually fully unreal uh mm-hmm. f- for the for the purpose of the course and for the purpose of yeah. you know the uh the, the filmmaking in in that kind of medium um yeah so the the main i think the the main workflow was uh at the time it was it was a quite because coming from previous as well i did have that kind of previous mind of like kit bashing i'm not an artist i'm not an asset creator in any way whatsoever so i was very happy to go on the um the marketplace uh, where epic has amazing resources for this kind of thing uh, it was just like a playground of just trying to find these assets and but also to keep it within a style as well and also keep it with grounded with reality um mm-hmm. it's quite easy to just find assets and go like oh this looks really cool i'm going to put this one in there <clears throat> i was really trying to think uh, because i've done environment work before as well uh, you've really got to try and think of things in a realistic manner like do these rocks physically you know would this if I imagine this place, would this place have these type of rocks? Mm. What would the terrain look like? What would be at the bottom of hills? You know, are rocks falling down? Is anything gathering? You know, so you're thinking about mm. sediment. You're thinking about gravity. You're thinking about every kind of realistic notion of nature that you possibly can do for the assets you have, and then kind of choose from those. Another, another really good tool I used was um, so along with bringing in ready-made assets was to actually uh, dug into um, learning um, the materials in unreal and how to make blend blended materials where you can literally create a, a stack of different uh, materials that you can literally just paint in oh, onto the yes, ground
0: I've seen that yeah
1: and yeah that, that was brilliant because what that gave that just really helped with uh, the connection of these assets into the uh, landscape, because you could have, um, say, if there is a big boulder, there would not be any grass right around the boulder. So it could just paint in some mud, it can paint into some puddles. And you can really just kind of do all of this on the fly, you can move the assets, paint a bit more of this, you know, these materials Mm -hmm. in on the on the ground and then as well just erase them as well if they don't yeah. fit so you could paint leaves in just say oh these these don't, don't quite fit here so i'm just going to get rid of these i'm going to paint some more and yeah so say that was a really really good um way and, and quite quick to learn as well a really quick way to learn something that really just uh, pushes that realism and you know the, that natural feel to it yeah.
0: and, and so i guess you have to do a lot of um a lot of reference images, just to like look at what is realistic and what how things would be in in, in the world for for like references when creating those. Yeah. Especially when you're like so close up to certain things on the ground, you know, like you say, are there going to be rocks there? Will there be smaller rocks? Is it is the more mud? Is it wet mud? Yeah, you know,
1: absolutely. Sort of yeah, thing. you've got to you've got to kind of pick the biome. You know, you've got to pick your environment uh where it's just kind of like pick a place in the world that you think would suit best and then kind of go from there so like um you know south american rainforests Where uh i was looking at lots of um, i bet you're an
0: expert now chris on uh ex- those type of rainforests yeah <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> it, yeah yeah so yeah so i really wanted to pick up um a kind of area that was well a lot of it as well was actually trying to Cover the space, so you know with um, you know with that kind of previous mind and that filmmaking mind, I want to kind of still create a contained area that I didn't have to worry about what's happening like five miles away, yes, or worrying about big you know vistas that kind of thing. So I knew i wanted to kind of keep it contained, and obviously rainforest is a great thing, you know, a great example for that. But as well, like with Unreal, you know, with the real time, I really wanted to play with um, you know the. It's first time having real time reflections and mm. real time light bounds and this kind of thing. So I really wanted to play with the light, how the light plays with the the ground, this kind of thing, and create that contrast as well. And I was trying to use the reflections of the, the puddles mm. of any kind of water elements or you know highlights to kind of punch that contrast in to what could be quite a low contrast environment if it is just um, just you know just trees. Yeah. And the sun also played a lot in that as well to create these kind of dappled light areas using the sunlight direction to uh, pull in light to different areas and then extend that with, you know, um, more studio lighting on like onset lighting to kind of punch in areas of contrast.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's the real power of, uh, you know, working in an engine that gives you real-time What about um, uh, cameras and cameras in? So cameras in inside Unreal Engine. How how did you go about um, with your camera work? Yeah, so
1: I mean, um, with Unreal Engine again, it was um, compared to my workflow of creating the camera, rendering that camera out. In Unreal Engine, uh, you can actually edit as well, so we can create these shots and then you can essentially lay them all out in an edit. Where in real time you're jumping from camera to camera, and you can physically edit your whole um, your whole piece, and also export an EDL to put straight into uh, you know a, a, a external editing package. Um, so that things made that that made things very interesting straight away. Uh, with the cameras, uh, also we were able to create presets for real lenses, real cameras. Um, and have those as presets, so we we're able to. I was able to just jump from various lenses uh, very quickly. Nice. Again, just just very quickly place cameras and uh, mo- you know mo- move them around, create those um, cinematic kind yeah. of moves with uh, v- with very very little trouble at all, yeah. and being able to see everything in real time uh, just just help that along. One thing as well was with this kind of editing editing whilst you're working workflow, I was able to kind of jump into uh, shots. Again, with these kind of notes that we get when we render things out, you never quite get the feel for a shot when we're just working on that one single shot. You know, you feel like, okay, I've got this really awesome camera move that I've done, but we'll never know how that looks in the edit until we see the edit. Mm. With this workflow in Unreal, I was able to see those shots in the edit instantly. And then start trimming them, start mm. tweaking the positions. Um, you know, just to making them longer, uh, faster, shorter. Um, play with the depth of field quite easily uh, because that was, you know, uh, a very great point of Unreal is just being able to manipulate the depth of field um, in real time and just be able to just play with all these real-time uh, camera attributes. And just, it felt like I was there shooting with a camera, essentially, Brilliant. because of that. There is also some great tools in Unreal. Um, uh, so there is a physical crane as well. There is a, there is a jib in there. Um, you can connect the camera to the end of the jib. And then you can control the camera's rotation with an iPad. Oh, nice. So one, one method I was really trying to work was animating the jib, going along a dolly. So we'd have all these Dolly and Jim moves and crane moves. And then leave the actual camera rotation until I had it hooked up to the iPad. Oh, so okay. then I could so then I could play back these we could play back the overall move, but then I could control the
0: subject matter. Nice. Like, is
1: with that what the, is that what room. you did
0: with um uh, this project for some yeah. camera stuff? Oh, some of the shots,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There was a few shots where I specifically used the um uh, the V cam uh, one was uh, it's it's in the main film, the uh, a study of scale,
0: yeah.
1: uh, where it's it's meant to emulate this crew kind of following the lady. Um, so to emulate that, to 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 kind of create that point of view look, I wanted it to feel like it wasn't one of the other shots which are quite cinematic and very smooth. This one I wanted it to feel like it was. A point of view from something, you know. We don't quite know what it is yet. though. so I used the the V cam setup to kind of literally just. Nice. I just did a load of takes of the camera, just kind of jumping around and really kind of made use of the um, uh, the camera shake, this natural camera shake that I could get from from using the virtual
0: cameras. So you channeled your inner crow. I did. I
1: some did could, indeed. Some I say.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. That's a really interesting. That's yeah, exactly. I was just going to touch on that. Like, did you do any sort of, you know? Um, fancy camera work with that but that's um, you know you got you got that ticked off yeah yeah definitely that's the, um, that's the key thing with um, cameras it's um, getting that realism is considering how is it shot and then considering you know anyone can just have a camera just like flying around but then you've got to think in the real world how would they have shot this in the real world and then how do we replicate that in a digital world and it just makes all the difference when you consider the film make inside of it, inside of it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll know as well as me like the amount of uh, changes we had to try and get a camera, a keyframe camera, looking more natural, mm-hmm. you know, and then these notes, it needs to look more natural, you know, and we spend like our you know, the amount of hours trying to create a keyframe camera to look natural. Yeah. You know, very counterprodu- counterproductive, counterproductive yeah. way of doing it compared to the the tools we can we can utilize these days.
0: Yeah, and all of it, well, a lot of it is just in our pockets. Like I know, um, in past episodes, people have you know done camera work on their phones, like like Miran did a bunch of like handheld stuff on their phones, and you just can't beat uh, that real world. You know, yeah, like you say, the clients say it's more natural feel. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so. Moving on to the next one, the the awakening, the snake. Mm. Um, can you just briefly touch on about that project, how it came about, uh, and the the reason for uh, Unreal Engine?
1: Well, for for this one, uh, these uh, these short films that I was working on after the fact were a, a product of just wanting to just keep learning. Oh, nice. uh, the you know the fellowship had finished, um, everyone was furloughed during the pandemic, so I still had some time on my hands at this point uh so what better way than just to keep going and just to keep creating i had the idea just to um whilst i had this free time was just to try and essentially create some short films under a minute i call them 50 second films yes and this was just a quick these were just quick studies uh with just a very simple narrative uh just to create achievable projects which I could get an, you know a tangible output from relatively quickly and I feel like these ones were a bit more um, these were a bit more speed projects so there was a bit more of a previous film like what could I, a previous feel to it so essentially what could I achieve in a couple of weeks so I essentially gave myself two weeks to to you know hit the nice. deadline for these projects. And the idea was, what can I just accomplish in the, in this time? And I found a great um, a great way of achieving this was to find one good asset and just to kind of work around that. So for this one, um, I saw the snake on the marketplace and I was just like, you know, I've got to have that. That's just like nice. a really cool snake. And again, I kind of chose the biome, which was like a sort of south, like a, a southwest America, like, um, you know, like a kind of... T- like a texas or um you know like a rocky tundra desert kind of feel to it yeah. and from there it was just creating this simple narrative and just again just just learning how to just yeah learning the cameras trying to get a feel for the filmmaking inside of unreal at this kind of pace as well because it's just such quick pace um and yeah and this and yeah so just experimenting with assets again and experimenting with uh, materials and shaders and lighting and just trying to just trying to learn it and just trying to get used to working this way
0: so yeah two weeks from start to finish and did you storyboard it or did you just what was the workflow on that type of project with a character in, involved rather than just shots of stuff yeah you know?
1: well the first i mean the first film of study and scale I'd say that's the main one this was storyboarded from start to finish um, I had a definite idea about this one. Um, the studying scale was an actual. I don't know if you can quite notice it, but um, we go from the ladybird to the leviathan at the end.
0: Yeah.
1: And in the middle, we kind of. The idea was we kind of go from the ladybird to the crow to the, the female character, and then again at the end to the leviathan, which just yeah. kind of this increasing scale. That was storyboarded, that was um, very well thought out in that time. <laughs> uh, the. The secondary projects that came after that uh, didn't really storyboard those ones. I was just kind of winging it for these ones. Uh, but I did have the idea. The, the, that's, the idea was to keep the narrative short because of that. And I just kind of wanted to just just channel all my energies at that point into learning Unreal. So essentially the story for that was <clears throat> the snake sees a fire. <laughs> the snake goes towards the fire
0: the end that's that's great and and i guess it's it's, a brilliant way to like you say um learn and practice skills and overcome obstacles uh and just yeah the best way to learn is to just do Uh, and that's a great example of it was there any um issues along the way that you were you encountered on on that project and as real as it can be like you know something kept crashing or you know the snake was being an idiot what what did you uh, encounter if any yeah
1: no there there was there was there was a lot on that one um one thing i think um the the unreal fire out of the box doesn't look so great and i think that's the point i decided it was going to be more a previsy kind of look yeah. uh, like a high quality previs mm-hmm. because i didn't want to spend the energies trying to create hyper realistic fire in that time that i would given myself to do this project That was one issue.
0: What what erm version? By by, did you do this in?
1: Uh, I think that was four
0: point two six. So I'm just wondering, in is it Niagara in five that's got like? I'm sure there's like actual assets for. Maybe it's because it's version five that are like. Actual. This was the
1: legacy. Yeah, this this was from the legacy system. This was from the starter content using the legacy oh, okay. uh, system. So yeah, so it was essentially just what can I drag in and use sure. you know, at that point. God, spent all my money on the snake. So
0: oh, okay. <laughs> how much was the snake out
1: of interest? Oh, I can't remember now. Uh, it wasn't much. I think and will, like, will you
0: um, reuse it in the
1: future? 15, fifteen to twenty pound. Yes, I will actually. If I if I get it's the right looking one, that, that's the idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's the idea. Yeah, I'd love to use them again um, because one afterthought on this project was to use the ray tracing. At that point, it was still quite hard to set up the ray tracing. You had to figure. You had to change everything yourself, and you had to put in a lot of console commands to get like the best best out of it. <clears throat> so. I still I was still using dynamic lighting for that. Uh, this was before Lumen and night, So this yeah. was just the straight up movable dynamic lighting. Uh so it had everything was real time um but it was you know the legacy lighting system essentially. Uh which looked great for majority, for the majority of it uh, but there was this shot at the end where I wanted to zoom into the snake's eye and I wanted to see this I wanted to see the fire reflecting in the eye. Nice. Uh, the snake was kind of getting tranced you know uh, there was a kind of like um like a you know like a like a, a desert rock kind of mm-hmm. vibe where you know the, this there's something going on between the you know something spiritual going on yeah. between the snake and his fire so i really wanted to get this shot um but i could only achieve that with the ray tracing which at that point was still yeah as i say quite hard to set up you had to change from uh you had to change the rhi from uh, DirectX 11 to 12, and then you had to set everything up a bit more manually. Whereas now it all just kind of works, um, which is great, and you you know just just adds to that speed of iteration and just that speed of just being able to create more ideas.
0: Would would you um would you ever recreate such project with the new features of new Unreal Engine, or just uh, or just know know that. about them moving forward?
1: I've started doing that. It's uh, yeah. I've actually started doing that. I've imported those three projects that uh, gave you into UE uh, 5.1, oh, nice. and I'm currently um, transcribing all those shots. Uh, I've changed the whole lighting setup in all of them uh, to Lumen. I've replaced all of the assets that I can do with the Nanite, and using the the, the new foliage. Um, uh, the, the the new Nanite feature for foliage oh, uh, instances, um, which has kind of sped things up a little bit, but not too much because I've just replaced everything for like yeah. a lot of um, a lot more uh, lighting complexity. Um, but yeah, I've, the difference is night and day. Uh, I'd love can, to. Yeah. There,
0: if you've got any, even if it's like a sample shot, if it's not finished, if so, we can include into this episode. it would Be great yeah. to see. Um, the comparison, absolutely. yeah, If you've got yeah, anything I mean, like that, I've, I've,
1: actually, I've, I've rendered out two shots from the the studying scale in the um, in the forest, and I've rendered out one shot from the uh, from the snake from Brilliant. the um, the awakening. So yeah, and i would be
0: happy. To and do those do you thoughts. reckon you're going to get that shot with the reflection in the eye? Is that going to happen, or are you? That's going to happen now. Yeah, it's one hundred percent going to happen. <laughs> Amazing! I can't wait to see it, Chris. That sounds very exciting
1: yeah the difference is incredible mm-hmm. from what i've seen yeah yeah one thing about the um the newer unreal engine versions uh, that i've really enjoyed using is the the color management uh, options that we now get uh, it's fully incorporates the oco color management uh, profiles so now we can export uh, all the film color profiles from aces cg uh rec 709 and that's hugely helped once bringing these images into DaVinci, because for these smaller projects, I use DaVinci, which again, free software. Mm-hmm. I try to keep my um, my home pipeline as free and updatable as possible. So using things way. like Blender, DaVinci, Unreal Engine. Um, I've bought very little software. I think Gaia and 3D Coat Textura is, are the only ones I've bought. And they're quite minimal, and I've been able to kind of keep the whole thing very minimal. Uh, but yeah, so bringing images into DaVinci uh, with these with this colour management system has just increased the the fidelity and the quality of these uh, of these renders and edits just uh, tenfold.
0: Nice. Yeah, I better because there's the fact that you can see all you know a lot of you know how it's going to look visually with colour profiles. Um, you know, on the fly. Yeah, and it's, this.
1: Uh, yeah, and it's this can fly. all be displayed in engine as it's mm. as in real time as well. So you can assign these color profiles if if you're not tied to a specific one for uh, pipeline reasons, and you're just kind of using them for like different LUTs. Um, you know, you can just literally just flick through and just just see which one looks the best. Really? But I tend to stick with Rec 709 linear to Rec 709, mm. and if you bring that into DaVinci, um, you just get such a wonderful range of color to play around with.
0: Moving on to the 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 wolves, the Arctic Journey one. Was that a similar? So that was a fifty-second piece similar to the snake one. Um, did you buy the wolf? Was it from the marketplace? Hey, was what was the process involved in creating that story? Because. Was that another sort of previous type of approach, similar to the snake one, or?
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, this was this was um, this was inspired by my and my wife's trip to Alaska in um, in January a few years ago. So we went in the middle of winter to Alaska, essentially, and I just really wanted to cre- recreate that in Unreal the best I could at the time. <clears throat> so this 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 piece really had um, a focus on this kind of dimly lit like noon uh, dusk kind of feeling and just the colors that you get in alaska at that time of year at that time of day which is just essentially just uh, the purples pinks just vivid blues this kind of thing i just wanted to try and get all that kind of lighting in there nice. uh the wolf was free you <laughs> might be able to tell if you look close enough um it works but, great though i mean it, for a pack yeah. of wolves
0: running through uh, the snow it's some really nice um, camera shots and uh, good energy to them. Yeah. just to you know going yeah through, that's the thing through. yeah the
1: energy i wanted to get that energy into it just to feel that kind of intensity as if you were there with the pack just just hammering it through the snow uh one thing that sold that was the camera shake in unreal uh, using the camera shake nodes that you can um assign where you can change these this st- at that point they were still built for games uh so it was more of a kind of triggered blueprints where oh, okay. if, if things come the idea is if you the character go close to something uh, there's some kind of trigger box so the that activates the the camera shake and you know as a character in a game you kind of move away from that and the camera shake could die down or cars or whatever gotcha. so you had to kind of you had to kind of like break that and just simplify it just to try and get like a, a cinematic uh camera shake uh which was really once you get the hang of it it's it's, it's quite nice there's some nice oscillations you can you can shake on the XY but you can also shake on the rotation as well which doesn't quite lend itself to uh, cinematics but it's good to have that option uh, the story for that one was essentially we start off with this one wolf and then we're kind of pulling out and then we realize that there's a pack of wolves running towards you know something or other or just you know generally some kind of a pack mentality but the idea was just to kind of reveal that as the piece went along, and that was essentially the narrative for that. Let's just kind of reveal piece by piece nice. that there is this big pack and how how, how can we reveal, you know, what, what can the camera do to to, to tell that story of the, of the wolves being revealed.
0: Had you used any Unreal Engine um, prior to the trip? Was you on the trip with Unreal Engine knowledge and thinking, I want to make... Short film. No, this
1: this was before <laughs> I knew Unreal Engine could be used for filmmaking. Um, so yeah, this was purely <laughs> way before that. Yeah. But uh, I was just thinking of ideas for this this you know the latest film, and I was just like, oh, you know what? I was looking through photos, and I just really wanted to capture that mood. Man. And see see how we could do this, and just play with the instances as well. I really wanted to um, play with. Uh, I think it got what's it called now? I think it's called Magic Map Four. Which created that environment, and it was we were able to with this um, plugin. It was able to procedurally create these biomes. Uh, it would it would give you the snow. You could play with the snow presets oh, and change, tweak everything. Yeah, it's a really nice one. Magic Map Four, I think it's called. And,
0: and that's just for world building of an environment. Can you do? It what? is. I did find it quite limiting, though. Um, I was expecting
1: more, um, more like uh, like a. Um, World Machine or Gaia or Terragen that kind of thing, yeah. but it was quite. It's kind of like you get these presets and there's a few different noises that you can uh, push through it, uh, like a Perlin or a, a Voronoi. Uh, we could use you could use those to kind of uh, manipulate uh, the terrain quite a bit, but not Fine. as much as I, I wanted to. So and ended up uh, getting a license for Gaia from Quad Spinner, which is just for me, blown everything out of the water for environmental uh, design, and that's what I use as a standard daily, daily uh, tool now.
0: Uh, for the Arctic uh, journey, one, it was the Magic Map, and then because of the limitations, you experienced. Was it Gaia? Yeah, Gaia, uh, Gaia. spelled
1: G A E A. I think I yeah. might butcher that uh, by a company called Quad Spinner. You could just create these different nodes, uh, different uh, fractals, uh, just blend them together. You c- uh, there's a really powerful erosion uh, engine in there, which creates these just beautiful, uh, you know, scree slopes and that, that natural erosion that you can see. And also now they've just implemented uh, a rock, no- a rocks node where we can actually finally simulate like uh, rock fall, like um, landslide build up, that kind of oh, thing. Nice. And the guy that's developing it is very hands-on. He loves the software himself, so he's very passionate about this. The results you can get there, I think, blur everything else really? out of the water. This is just the the top Amazing. for environment, environmental creation, yeah.
0: So so your career changed to Virtual Art Department. Um, what kind of um, projects do you guys uh, take on and what kind of stuff?
1: VAD can be v- different things depending on how you want it to be used. We can use VAD for essentially previs, that could still be VAD, um, tied in with the real-time element of the screen share screen share sessions and VR sessions. Uh, it can be used for environmental work. Um, it can be used for to inform lighting decisions. It can be performed for um, creating the previs, but for the shoot day as well. So being able to go through and run through uh camera moves in, in real time and being able to practice for the for the shoot day for the for the wall itself for the led wall in virtual production it really helps because what we can do is um we can create the environment that's going to be used on the wall and we kind of do we start with like a block version of that which you can then um iterate on until until it gets to the to the quality that you see on the on the LED walls, and in between those steps are um, a lot of multi-user sessions in Unreal, where we have the key, we can have the key creatives uh, just heavily involved in this in this side of things, and also the um, production designer as well. I think this is a newer side of it where. At the same time, we can inform production design on how the sets are going to look. We can we can we can build out those sets for them. Essentially, I think if from a previous background, it would be more of a tech vis kind of. Oh, okay. A tech, essentially, it, essentially like a, a more a real time evolved kind of, maybe not evolved, but uh, it's, it's 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 a it's a real time form of tech vis, I'd say where right. we can. Inform practical set decisions as well. Uh, we can e- we can even inform uh, costume uh, because we can get the costumes in there with the lighting on the yeah. sets with the sets, and we can see, say, like how reflections are looking. It's like how, look how, dev, how, Real the time
0: look dev in, exactly in
1: yeah form. yeah real time layout real time look dev, um, yeah real time environmental work lighting everything, um, and if not real time, we can always. Go away we can we can spend a couple of days and then we can come back we can do a new session and have a look at what's happened and again just tweak it real time have a look at the changes tweak it real time and this is more for the filmmakers that find artists this is definitely more for the filmmakers these tools these are the people that really get the most out of it Uh, the directors the DOPs, the production designers uh, these are the guys that can kind of come in Try out all their ideas in one session, or you know we can we can separate sessions, you yeah. know, for specific people depending, and and yeah, these are the guys that really kind of get the most out of it. And um, we've worked on shows where um, the director of photography has come up to us and just thanked us and just been like, "Wow, I couldn't have done this without you guys because Brilliant. I was able to rehearse I was able to rehearse the entire." Shoot day because on the on the walls as well. There's this it's quite quick uh, turnovers. So with these LED walls, if you do have any practical set, you're essentially only going to have that practical set there for a certain amount of time right. until there's an overnight change, and then the next day maybe. Um, usually we're working in days with these type of shoots as well. It's very quick turnovers. So we'd have a set for one day overnight. That's going to get changed. That's going to be the next set. So. We need to make sure that you're going to get of course, all the yeah. all of these shots done and people are able to rehearse the entire shoot day if they want to in in VAD because we've got everything there we've got uh we've got the characters there that we can move around just blocking so it's just no animation some well if they want animation they can have it but usually it's just like a blocking character that we can place around like a chess piece uh we can have the all the vfx that you're going to see on the wall the extension but then we'll also have everything on the set so that can inform how it's going to get laid out on the day they can even do set changes like minimal set changes Brilliant. and be able to say okay well for this camera angle we want to turn over here but we want to see this uh, like we want to see this rock in on you know it's the same rock that's over here but we want to turn the camera around and then but we want to see this same rock over here right. they'll be able to practice that they'll be able to get all of this information down on a on a sheet and be able to Brilliant. be like, right, okay, let's you know, this is all rehearsed, this is ready to go. On the day we can minimal you know, we minimize any minimise all onset decisions essentially. Yeah. If they want to. Yeah. They can go as deep as you know, minim you know, you could have this thing running like absolute clockwork with no creative decisions on the day because you've made all the creative decisions beforehand or at least you know, there's always going to be decisions on the day but to at least minimize them to an absolute yeah minimum
0: <clears throat> um so i guess producers and people who've got money to spend and not not waste on the day they love they love that then i imagine
1: they do yes yes <laughs> it's a, yeah for um yeah for, for the people that understand and i think we just need to get more people understanding what it is um but for the people that understand and the people that use it a lot of because it's a uh, new uh, relatively new now um people still come in with not the fullest idea of what's what's achievable so there is a lot of um tutoring that we uh, we also provide you know a lot of education and just saying this is what you can do you can actually do this here if you want to you don't need to do it so it's actually getting people to that way of thinking. Um, but once people are on board with it and fully understand what's achievable, uh, I, I don't think many people are going to be looking back.
0: That's a great finish, uh, Chris. Um, and I just want to say, yeah, thank you for your time. That's been really great. Yeah, uh, no, thanks, thanks you. for having me, man. Uh, oh, and re- absolute I just, pleasure.
1: I just want to say, man, just congratulations, man. I'm just so inspired by what you've done oh, thanks, with Big man. Tooth. And- yeah what you've done with it and how it's grown and the direction you've you've gone with it and everything it's just awesome you know like just everything uh, kudos to you man kudos
0: thanks man honestly that means a lot thank you i think you
1: struck on gold with the um getting experience in london having that having that um the reputation bringing that further yeah. north you know because i know what it's like you know north like that's why i moved down south was because everything was down here mm-hmm. and being able to bring that back into because well you know like the midlands as well there's such a hub of things going on
0: there is and there's a bit,
1: you know and like yeah the, the the work is there and people are like yeah. you know going to london where it's, ah, i've got to go to london but if it's just exactly. there localize localizing this kind of work with these kind of absolutely boutique, man with these kind of boutiques is just that's such it. a good idea
0: we We actually try and like the our first port of call for like talent we always like look at talent pools like from the universities and studios and people in the area first um yeah you know and and the more you look, the more you find and there's there is a lot more than I new like three or four years ago, yeah um, yeah
1: and, and yeah, it gives it brilliant. gives people the opportunity as well to actually use those skills at home, you know so it's, it's like so it's like a big attraction for those people that want to stay local but also really wanted to do London kind of work you know so you brought that you brought exactly yeah so
0: I mean we've worked on we've been working on projects that you know you wouldn't imagine that there's a small team of people in an office in South Staffs or Wolverhampton working on you know uh, a Black Mirror episode but like it's the type of projects that you would work on if you were physically working in London, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we're able to now work on those um, here. You know, we we get outsourced. We actually um, not just outsourced, but we we were vendors for you know, black. I mean, Black Mirror is one of like. That's no, incredible. It's the man. best things on on telly, and we, yeah, we're yeah. fortunate enough to be working on it as a as a small studio. So yeah, well, truly yeah, so great. You, fun,
1: you think Black Mirror? You think like Dean Neg Frame Star, don't you? You know, it's like yes. a big, voice. it's like a,
0: it's a big production. Man. Yeah. yeah, kudos, man. We're kudos. we're we're slowly we're slowly working on it. Uh, it's getting there, and it's 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 slowly growing. So, but thanks for Chris. R- very kind words, man.
1: Yeah, no worries, not. man. Everyone. Oh, nice. Yeah. What what are you doing tonight? what are you doing tonight. Um, I don't know. I'll probably catch up on some work. <laughs> I've actually oh, been well. I'm going to keep going with the um, uh, the Unreal conversions nice. uh, because um, it's it's very addicting to just yeah. kind of, especially when you're getting these new, you know, just converting everything to Nanite and just like seeing all that detail. Because what I was doing to get the highest quality from the Mega scans assets was to download the high source poly asset, which was just essentially the raw scan bring that into ZBrush and then decimate it from there and oh. then and then bring that into Unreal and then have it... manual sh- nanite. Yeah,
0: really. Man- manually nanite it. Yeah, but now you can do that.
1: Yeah, because those LEDs were just too soft, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was really good to... Uh, but, yeah, so I'm just going to carry on doing that now.
0: <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, Chris... Enjoy uh, the conversion this evening. It's been amazing yeah, to, thanks, to catch up, man. And yeah, you uh, too. we'll speak to you very soon, man. Yeah, sounds, sounds okay. good. Yeah, speak to you later. man. Yeah, yeah, man. Take care, man. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye, Chris. Bye. Bye, man. If you're looking for more conversations like this and can't wait for the next episode, head over to our YouTube channel at Big Tooth Studios or follow the link in the episode description.